Can we prove with history that the birth of Jesus Christ was prophesied hundreds of years in advance? Of course we can, and you're going to find out exactly how we can do that on this episode. And we're going to give you a little reminder that Jesus is the reason for the season. I want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. Now let's get into this episode right now. Hey, this is Ryan S. Howard. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I call it Your Faith at Work because we want to get your faith out of the church and into the world. We were created to be intentional, influential, and impactful. I'm here to help you reach the potential God created you with, and I'll help you find confidence in your God-given assignments as you advance the kingdom every single day. And we're going to do that in work, in the culture, and in life. Learn more at ryanshoward.org. Well, I am going to talk today about prophecy in the birth of Christ, and I'm going to give a little bit about the prophecy in the Bible in general, and you might be surprised to know that 27% of the Bible is predictive. That's a amazing, an amazing statistic, and I'm going to tell you more details about that. There's 31,124 verses in the Bible. That's the Protestant Bible, and uh, 8,352 of those are predictive. Now, that's 27%. Now, I'm going to get a little bit into a little bit more of that, but first, I want you to imagine this. It's your birthday, there's a big party, and you show up, and you're there, and you're there early, and you're ready, and you're waiting, and other people start showing up, and then you're just getting excited, and you know everybody's there for your birthday, everybody's gathering, it was on the invitation, they all know that right there. And everybody shows up and they all say, start saying hello to each other and they start giving gifts to each other and they just completely ignore you. And you're sitting there thinking, hey, wait a minute. I th- this is my birthday. I thought we were, gonna, you know, where, where's everybody saying happy birthday and give, maybe I could have a present or two, you know, and, and you're just being humble. But the thing is, you're the reason that they're there. That's the party. That's the reason that, that they're all there. Now, this sounds familiar. (laughs) Once a year, this happens a lot. In fact, an entire season, this can happen. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas is about Jesus Christ. And how often do we get together and have uh, a time where we just completely forget about Jesus? This that's not that's not good. That's not good. Christmas is all about Jesus Christ. It should be all about Jesus Christ. And now there's lots of traditions and history there and all that. But no matter what, you can make it a priority to have Jesus Christ at the center of Christmas this year and every year. And I want to invite you to do that. And I want to talk a little bit about just how significant this is. In fact, it was predicted centuries in advance. And so that's what I want to get into today. Now, I mentioned 27% of the Bible is predictive. Now, there were over 300 references to the coming Messiah in the Old Testament, over 300, and 12 of those were about his birth alone. 12 were about his birth. Isn't that incredible? And, you know, there's, but in the Bible, there are 737 separate matters that are predicted, and there's about 1,817 predictions made 
total about those 737 different matters. So it's incredible. And there's more of that in some books and, than in others, but uh, it's spread throughout the entire Bible. And it is just incredible. And I've got some references here. I'm looking at the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy. And uh, also I've got, uh, this is called The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. A few things there that catalogs some of these different prophecies and their fulfillment. And it's just incredible. Now, some people will question, well, were these prophecies really written before Christ or were they, you know, written down afterward and just made the people made the claim that they were written before? Well, we actually have historical evidence that that beyond um, beyond any doubt. I mean, it just a matter of fact, it's history. And I'm going to share some incredible puzzle pieces that we're going to put together that it's really undeniable uh, that these were written hundreds of years before Christ was on the earth. And the New Testament was written in the first century. And so th- those are other topics, how we got the Bible, how that all came about, the history there. There's fast, it's fascinating. It's, it is a miraculous story that we have the word of God preserved today, the original word. It is just incredible, but that that's another episode. But there's something called the Septuagint translation. That's a Septuagint translation. I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but uh, the Old Testament, you know, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the Old Testament was uh, codified. It was finished in the year 450 BC. So this is 450 years about before Christ was on the earth, 450 years, four centuries, four and a half centuries. And so that in and of itself shows that these were written before Christ. Now, if you don't trust that date of 450 BC, let's look at that thing I mentioned, the Septuagint translation. What is that? Well, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and finished in 450 BC. Now, the Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament that was originally written in Hebrew. And this Septuagint translation was started in 250 BC, 250 BC. So that's 200 years after the Old Testament was finished. And it was during the reign of Ptolemy Philadelphus, and he reigned in 285 to 246 BC. And so it's pretty obvious that if you have a Greek translation initiated in 250 BC, the Old Testament finished in 450 BC, that's 200 years earlier. Remember, it's reversed because it's BC. That makes it clear that we have several hundred years of gap between when the prophecies were originally written down and their fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? How God uh, just does this in such a way that it's undeniable. It is absolutely undeniable. And you have to almost, you have to just willingly ignore those facts. I mean, and, and so this alone, you know, I hear a lot of debates about the existence of God and Christ and all that. And I don't know why prophecy is not a more significant thing used in those debates because you cannot deny it. It's written hundreds of years in advance. And I just showed you very simply with this this very clear point. Okay, now let's get into the actual prophecies about the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I mentioned that there's 12 of them specifically. There's over 300. Remember, there's over 300 about Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah in the Old Testament, 300. And you can calculate the odds of this. It's astronomical. It actually goes, uh, even you get like a handful of these, half a dozen, for one person to fulfill them, 
it goes beyond a number that mathematicians then say this is this is a mathematical impossibility it would never happen like it's 10 to the whatever it, it and it it's just it's impossible and so in other words it has to be supernatural supernatural and so this is just incredible and it's, we need to take the bible seriously because that's the way it was written so the first prophecy that I want to talk about related to the birth of Christ is right away in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. So in Genesis 3.15, God, this is after the fall of man. This is after Adam and sinned, and God is talking here with the serpent, and he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, in Galatians 4.4, 4, talks about the fulfillment. It's also in Matthew one twenty, but it says, uh, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And so you have this fulfillment, this born, this seed born of a woman. And what's fascinating about a lot of Bible prophecy and the way things are written is just the faith needed to write these things down that God was inspiring and giving and revealing to these men who wrote the Bible. Because some things don't really... You don't really get it. It doesn't make sense by itself fully, but later on in the fulfillment, you have more understanding and more revelation, and it's, oh, okay, that's why. That makes sense. And this happens all over the place where it just becomes more clear, abundantly more clear, and you that's why we take the whole counsel of God, all of it together. We got to under we got to read it all, we got to under we got to look at it all, let God give us understanding in it all. It's a spiritual book, it's a supernaturally understood book. So, that's the first one. The next one is that uh that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7:14 says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel uh, means God with us. And that's fulfilled in uh, Matthew 1, 18, 24, 25, and Luke 1, 26 to 35. That's basically just recording the birth of Christ and the fact that uh, Joseph did not know his wife, uh, didn't have intimacy with his wife before uh, Jesus was born before the Messiah was born. So the next one is that he would be the son of God. Uh, Psalm 2, 2 Samuel 7, and 1 Chronicles 17. And I'll put these uh, in the in the show notes if you want to check these out. But it says in there, it says there, I will declare and decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And then that's fulfilled in Matthew 3.17, Matthew 16.16, 16, Mark 9, and, so, and some others as well, and Acts and John and Luke. The next one is that uh, the seed of Abraham. So this is talking about that he would, the, his genealogy. And so in, in uh, Genesis 22, it says, uh, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so coming through the genealogy, the lineage of Abraham and fulfilled in uh, Matthew 1, where Matthew 1, 1, where it says, it just gives the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Right there, Matthew 1, 1. And this is, uh, the genealogy is critical. This is like uh, 
always given in the old t- in, in those times it was like your resume you know it, it to be from the line of david or the line of abraham the, i mean these this was a big deal and so this is a very important prophecy and that on its own is enough is an incredible thing to study uh other prophecies are that he'd be uh, the son of Isaac and the son of Jacob. And so this whole lineage, this whole genealogy continuing on. And those were in Genesis 21, 12 and Numbers 24, 17, respect, respectfully. So that those are fulfilled in, uh, in the Gospels. So in Luke, Matthew, Luke and Matthew. So moving on, uh, also the tribe of Judah. And a lot of people, when you hear about uh Jesus and the genealogy, and you hear the story of Joseph, and Joseph was so prominent towards the end of the book of Genesis, and a lot of people think that Jesus would have been in the line of Joseph, but he wasn't. Joseph was the son of Jacob, and so was Judah. There was 12 brothers. Judah, so Joseph went to, uh, you know, he was sold into slavery, and he was the one that led in Egypt through the famine, and Jacob brought his family, including, including Judah, to Egypt to survive the famine. And then they had the year, hundreds of years of slavery, of slavery there, forced labor. And then they came, Moses brought them out after that. And that's when they started to go towards the promised land. But it was Joseph, God went through all this trouble to get Joseph there to preserve Judah and to preserve all of these people. And guess what? Judah is who Jesus came through, his lineage. And so uh, it, that's just fascinating stuff to study. But uh, the tribe of Judah, and so that's in Genesis forty nine ten. It says, "The scepter shall not b- depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to put, sh- and to him shall be the obedience of the people." And so Jesus, the son of Judah, Luke three twenty three and thirty three, so fu- uh, prophesied and then fulfilled. Now it, it also says that he would be from the line of Jesse. That's in Isaiah eleven verse one, and uh, like I mentioned, the house of David. That was in Jeremiah twenty three five. So all of these things coming to fruition. Now, if you also think about where Jesus was born, where was he born? He was born in Bethlehem. And if you know this story, which I'm sure you know about how how uh, Mary and Joseph traveled there and just how all of this stuff was happening to get them there so that this prophecy could be fulfilled. This prophecy of where he would be born, born in Bethlehem. What does it say? It says, uh, but you, Bethlehem, uh, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, you, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. That's from the prophet Micah, uh, chapter five, verse two. And so you can see some of these are, are, well, all of these are quite significant. And if you actually calculate the statistical probability of these things happening, the numbers just get astronomical very quickly for even one of these. And then you have two and then three and then four and then five, all the way up to 12, just about the birth of Jesus Christ. Yes, God is in charge. He is on his throne. He is outside time, space, and matter, and he knows everything. And so this is just incredible. We should worship him for this. And Christmas is just such an amazing time to think about how great it was that God loved us enough to to, to prophesy this and then to send his son to die for us so that we could have that eternal relationship with him. It's just incredible. So 
The next one, the 11th, number 11, is that uh, the Messiah would be presented with gifts. You know this story. I'm sure you know about the wise men. And that's in Psalm 72:10, And also, I believe, Isaiah 60, verse 6. And it says, The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. And it's talking about this uh, when the Messiah comes. And in Matthew 2, verses uh, 1 and 11, says, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And continuing on, it says, And they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him. They presented gifts to him. Now that's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there's lots of sim, uh, symbolism there and why those were the things that were given to royalty and uh, so signified Jesus being royalty and these uh, these magi, these wise men that traveled probably eight or 900 miles on foot based on what they saw in the sky and from the Hebrew scriptures. And, and there's lots of uh, research uh, in history around that as well and how that happened. But it's just incredible. And you know what? It's um, There are some that I'm reading in some of these commentaries, they talk about how it's possible that, you know, Noah had three sons when they came off the boat <laughs> and uh, that the three sons and their genealogy rep was represented in the, the wise men that came. And so they came from all the corners of the earth back to worship Jesus. And that's just incredible. So the last one here that I want to talk about is it's very uh, sad, but uh, it's a, it was prophesied nonetheless. And that is that Herod would kill the children. Herod kills children. And this is where uh, in Jeremiah 31, 15 prophesied that, uh, that it says, a voice, it says, thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And in Matthew 2, 16 is the story where Herod uh when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, they didn't return to go back to him. And he was very angry. And then he put out a decree to put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of the districts of Bethlehem that were two years old and under. And um, that was just according to the time that he understood uh, from the wise men, the meeting there. And how sad is that? I mean, it is just uh, incredible and uh, just horrible evil that that could happen. But uh, Jesus, his parents, Mary and Joseph had fled to Egypt and they left and he obviously was preserved and then lived his life and, and gave his life for us and was resurrected. And so you can see biblical prophecy is very powerful and it is all the more reason for us to celebrate the amaz amazing, miraculous birth. You know, it was prophesied centuries in advance, the birth of Christ, and you can see the uh, particular circumstances, the fact that he was able to be born, the fact that he was able to survive, the fact that he was able to uh, come into this ministry. I mean, obviously God is in charge, large and in charge, and it's just incredible. So um, another episode, maybe we'll talk more about prophecy and actually do some of the statistics on the 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 uh, probabilities of these things happening, and like I said, it gets astronomical and just just mathematically ridiculous very quickly in just a handful of these. 
So, all right, I hope that blesses you as you celebrate Christmas with your family and uh, make sure to remember the reason for the season, the Jesus Christ born in the flesh and to live and die for us and for you to have that relationship with him and have eternity with your Father in heaven. All right, God bless you, and we'll see you in the next episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and you can help spread the word by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with your friends. Visit ryanshoward.org to learn more about how you can advance God's kingdom every day.